0: Welcome to the Wright Family Law Divorce Podcast with your host, Ellen Wright, family law attorney, divorce coach, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker discussing all things divorce and helping you learn to keep the pain of separation from holding you back. And now your host, Ellen Wright.
1: Welcome to Episode 8 of the Wright Family Law Divorce Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about the burning question that I saw posted on a legal forum a couple months ago, which was, will I look bad if I refuse to go to mediation? I am joined with attorney David Epley, who is a new senior associate at our firm. David, welcome.
2: Oh, thank you, Ellen. I appreciate it.
1: You have 20 years of experience in family law. That's right. And what do you like best about your mediation practice?
2: So what I like about the mediation practice is actually having the two parties or sometimes the parties and their counsel, just sitting around the table and hopefully coming up with a solution that can avoid all the rigmarole in court, can avoid waiting all day to be heard. And you basically are there to see if you can settle the outstanding issues. You just have to make sure that everyone's on the same playing field and has the same information sources.
1: So we're going to be talking about some of the ins and outs of that, what mediation looks like in Massachusetts, because David, it's different in every state. It, I it mean, is. I, you just, you go north to New Hampshire, right? Mediation is required. Wow. Yeah. You have yeah. to go. In Massachusetts, not so much. In terms of the way we do things, someone comes in for a divorce, David, right? And they say, we're talking about mediation. Can we mediate? Do we have to mediate? What are our options? What do you say to them?
2: I want to know some key things right up front. I want to know whether or not there's any kind of domestic violence in this family, whether or not there are control issues that are happening within this family. Because if one of the spouses has been in control of all of the money and has been really Keeping it secret from the other spouse, mediation may not be the first step you want to take. You may want to get some more information in the form of formal discovery, and you don't have that option if it's a mediated case.
1: Right. So if the person says, yeah. okay, um, I don't think I want to mediate for whatever reason, I can't mediate right now, and this goes forward, and then as my divorce goes on, the judge finds out that I did not mediate. And I filed this divorce and I refused to mediate. What is the judge going to think about me?
2: It depends. So I, I agree. We had some discussion about this ahead of time. I do think that it you potentially could look bad um, if you look like you're just dragging your feet, things mm-hmm. along that line.
1: Stonewalling the exactly. other party.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That could be a problem. So if you're perceived in that way, that's a problem. But if you have a legitimate question about a closely held business where... Let's say the wife owns this closely held business. You represent the husband and he didn't have anything to do with the business. Doesn't know boo in terms of what's happening within that business. If we're just trusting what her numbers are that come back, that might not be enough for mediation or so that's why I'm saying like, you may need to get a business valuation, for example, you may need to get a house valuation before you go to the trouble of Mm -hmm. hiring a mediator Mm -hmm. because the mediator, the purpose of the mediator is to get to yes. Right. which that might be the overall goal of both parties mm-hmm. but sometimes before you can get to the question and answer it yes you need some more information
1: right right what about what if what if there aren't any financial issues what if we're just talking about a parenting plan
2: then if there so if it's if we're just talking about a parenting plan and there's not some significant drug or alcohol use in the family mm-hmm. if there's not um some significant mental health or behavioral issue of either the parties or of the children mm-hmm. then then mediation could could very well be the bit, the best place to go especially if it's someone who is highly trained either a, a, a litigator themselves or perhaps sometimes even a psychologist can serve in this role
1: okay all right if i just can't stand my spouse all right so let's just say my husband, you never put his hands on me, but he was emotionally abusive. The name-calling, the fighting, the screaming, the yelling. And let's say there aren't any sort of high substance abuse issues, but I just cannot bring myself to sit in the same room as this man. What what opinions is the other lawyer going to form about me? And what is the judge going to think?
2: Sure. So there, wait, depending upon the mediator, so you actually have two options. One would be to not go through the mediation with the explanation that Look, I, as the spouse who's kind of maybe not been physically abused, but has been emotionally abused or, or maybe just has been controlled, like a controlling kind of aspect in the relationship, okay. if that person feels so cowed that they're going to roll over during the mediation, then obviously the mediation is not the right route okay. for them. But if they can't be in the same room because they, the, the, the temperature just goes up too much, but. It's a solvable case. A good mediator actually can engage in this with the, with, a, with a mediation session where they're s- essentially doing shuttle diplomacy. They're going from room to room,
1: uh-huh.
2: and i I've done that as a mediator, and it and it can really work effectively in in doing that. Again, it lowers the temperature. You you can have uh, the. Uh, you have a more dispassionate mediator coming in and giving the the view of what the other side says and the bare facts of what they're willing to agree to and then you go back to the other side and give them their version of what what they see and what they want to what they want to get out mm-hmm. of the out of the mediation mm-hmm.
1: yep okay now what's the difference between mediation and conciliation
2: so mediation is the more pay- Is the more traditional i'd say the more traditional form of getting to yes like i was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. it's private pay both parties will generally speaking both parties will pay for half although you could have a different arrangement if you have a a more affluent spouse maybe they pay for two-thirds one-third or or all of it but it just really depends but at any rate you go in that person is a neutral and then they help settle the help settle your case a conciliator is a court appointed, for lack of a better term, mediator, where the case has already gone forward with some discovery. Maybe there's been a temporary orders hearing. Maybe there's been a pretrial conference. Maybe there's not been a pretrial conference. But basically, there's been some time that's passed within this case. And whether it's with counsel or without, uh, they they go to the conciliator, who, again, is a who's generally speaking, this will be a if it's court appointed. This is going to be someone that is doing it for free. So they're doing it as a favor to the bar, but you're limited to only an hour or two of this lawyer's time. They're another domestic relations attorney like we are. Mm -hmm. I've served as a conciliator before Mm -hmm. in cases in both Essex County and Middlesex County. And basically, you're there to try to help reduce the the number of issues down um, and hopefully settle, but at least reduce the issues down so that they can go in front of the judge the next time and Mm -hmm. say, I've met with attorney Epley. This is what his recommendations were. We were willing to come up with this. so that's that's the main difference between the two.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the last statistic I heard in Middlesex was a 70 percent success rate for conciliation. in your conciliation practice is that about what you uh, would agree? That's yeah.
2: probably about right. I've yeah. not I've not looked at statistics, yeah. but but that sounds about right. Two-thirds, three quarters of cases will settle if they've get to that point. Because frankly, sometimes they just need to, 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 to be heard. Mm-hmm. They might have some outstanding issues and you, we don't have a lot of time in front of judges when we go in front of them for whether it's a motion hearing or even a pretrial, you have maybe 15, 20 minutes tops in order to get your point across. With a conciliator, you go to them for an hour or two, the person will have the, the Experience in dealing with cases on both sides of the of the case, husband or wife, or, or with a someone who owns a business or doesn't, someone who has custody or doesn't have custody of kids, that they, they will have dealt with it enough or have gone through gone before some of these same judges enough that they can give a really good educated guess without having a a dog in the fight, so mm-hmm. to speak, right, and and can give you really a honest, straightforward, educated opinion where they're not taking your side, they're not taking your ex's side, Yeah, they're just giving a... a, a and and seven times out of 10, that's probably enough yeah. to get people to say, okay, that's, that's probably where the judge is going to come out. Let's tweak whatever agreement we have to kind of fit along with what the conciliator says or close to it.
1: Okay. So... If it comes to the point and the judge is talking about conciliation, is the judge going to make me go to conciliation? Mm. Will I be forced or will I be pressured? Is my lawyer going to make me go?
2: The, what if the, my
1: lawyer drops me? I don't want to go when my lawyer jumps sure, me. <laughs> sure,
2: sure. No, I get it. I get it. So, great question. The, so, the judge can't force you to go to mediation. but Conciliation. Uh, That's what I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for correcting me. Yes. The the judge can't force you to go to conciliation, but if they're recommending it, 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 it's probably a strong recommendation for you to do it if it makes sense. And so you need to have a good reason as to why that might not work. Maybe as, as maybe we talked about earlier, it's too early because you don't have a valuation in, a business valuation or, or a, a home appraisal in. Or if it's a custody case, if there's a guardian ad litem that's involved and an investigation has take place, maybe that GAL report isn't in yet. And so you want to wait until that report's in before you go to the trouble of the conciliator. Because again, when, when you go to these conciliators, they're giving their time. You're not paying them. So mm-hmm. they're giving their time. It's not just to you, but it's really to the court. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to waste anybody's time, but you really don't want to waste the conciliator's time right. who's giving of their time. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think for the most part. Yeah. I just think a lot of people, especially in situations where there's been the emotional abuse, they mm-hmm. they cling to their freedom and self-determination. And if they feel pressured, I have to go, I have to go. I know I personally have been involved in a small handful of conciliations where the atmosphere, it's just very toxic, very, very tense. And then I have a situation where the opposing side is sitting across from the table and making ugly eyes or faces at my client in situations like you say breakout rooms are more appropriate about the people yeah. and do the shuttle diplomacy like yeah, you say yeah, yeah to and fro because what you don't want to have happen is have a situation erupt and then have everything yes, get right. worse right than it was when before they walked in right but i think that the numbers speak for themselves, and the court really does love the conciliation because it keeps these cases out of the trajectory of a trial.
2: Exactly. That's exactly right. And and that's, in most cases, and it's probably around 70%, it does make sense to settle sooner rather than later. Once you have the necessary information, once you have that in necessary information and you have two fairly reasonable, I'll use fairly, fairly reasonable people across the table from each other. Mm-hmm conciliation is absolutely the right way to go but again if you've got some situations in there that there are enough of them that it's significant but if you have a restraining order case a domestic violence case Mm -hmm. any any significant drug and alcohol or mental health issues those are those are the problematic enough cases that you're not going to necessarily come to yes sometimes you have to either get direction from the judge and that's what they're there for Right. to kind of point you in the right direction.
0: Are you worried about being pressured to attend mediation or conciliation in your family court case? Don't be. Learn the ins and outs of mediation and conciliation with our free infographic download. Get it now and put your mind at ease. Click the link in the show notes to download now and be ready for whatever comes your way
1: Now, what do you think about some of these conciliations that have been held by Zoom? And if there's a restraining order between the parties, what would that look like? Can you do it by Zoom? What do you think?
2: Uh, I'm I'm a big believer so Zoom is a great tool. And if if you have a if you have a party that's out of state, or you have a party that maybe has some mobility issues that that is a great it's a great substitute. But a substitute is never the same thing as an in-person kind of of a of a conciliation or a mediation. If you have a let's let's use the domestic violence example for as our example here. If you have a domestic violence case where the 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 party that the abused party, um feels comfortable enough to be either in the room with the conciliator but the the defendant is elsewhere with a zoom call in if that person feels comfortable that way or vice versa where again the, the two parties aren't in the same room at the same time mm. if if the if the aggrieved party feels comfortable enough then sure you can try it that way i think that that's a that's a decent sort of substitute but for again the vast majority of cases if i'm the conciliator i want people in my office so that even if we're doing shuttle diplomacy we we can see eye to eye we can get the di- the the emotional dynamic you can you can get a sense of people and what their what their concerns are their wishes are a lot easier than than over technology it's mm-hmm. a good substitute but it's not it's not equal to in person in my mm-hmm. opinion what about you what do you think
1: yeah, I, I agree. I think that Zoom certainly has its place, right? But in terms of settling cases, just that in-person contact really it, is monumental.
2: And if if and if you're lucky enough, Ellen, if you're able to settle the case, yeah. you can sign it right there. Right. Whereas if you're over Zoom, you're like, well, you know, we'll get back to you tomorrow. Right. By that time, right. someone might get cold feet and not want to sign yeah. it. Or the
1: email somehow gets sent to the drafts and it gets, you know, with the agreement. Yeah, Exactly. I hear you. The conciliation, I think one of the really cool things about conciliation versus mediation is that in conciliation, the conciliator can say, oh, I've had cases with this judge and here's what I think your particular judge might do. And in a lot of situations, it's enough to make people think, all right, here's someone who's with no horse in the race, so to speak, yeah. right? And they're telling me, you, in their experience with this particular judge, this is going to be my likely outcome. So even if they don't want to hear it from their lawyer, when they're not going to trust the other side's lawyer, what's coming out of their mouth, you hear it from a third-party neutral who has the experience, they have no allegiance to anybody, and they're just going to tell you straight up what they think is going to happen. I think that is really enough, in my opinion to get a case to really settle, versus a mediator who can't do that. They can give suggestions and guidance, but there's a fine line between where they can go in terms of giving legal advice, and it's not always clear. That's what I found is really fantastic with the conciliators.
2: I I, I completely agree with you, Ellen, and as a matter of, I do have a mediation practice, and I, I definitely enjoy it, but I'll, I will admit to you and your listeners, that even with my mediations, because of my litigation experience and I guess bias, I, it somehow seeps into that when, <laughs> <laughs> the mediation. Because I just I want the I want the parties to just get a feel for if they're really wanting to mediate instead of trying to potentially threaten each other with going to court and stuff. If we're able to work it out, fantastic. Because here's what you can expect if you go to Judge Smith or Judge Jones, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another situation I've seen happen, it only really happened in one of the conciliations that I did, was the lawyers didn't get along. They hated each other. um, And I had one guy who was a bully. He was a bully to the woman lawyer who was on the other side, just sitting at the table, arms crossed, super grouchy. And I scolded him, like right there in front of his client. I basically told him a lot of this is because of you. I wow. called him yeah. right on the, on the carpet. Oh. Uh, that particular case didn't settle. It did end up going to trial. Um, when the lawyers can't get along, that really it, that's that's punishing, really to to the litigants themselves, it, uh,
2: undoubtedly. You know? Undoubtedly, and I think that, that that sounds like your example that you just gave sounds to me like. It it might not even be the party that's stonewalling, but right. it's the lawyer. the lawyer. One of the lawyers is the stonewaller, yep. mm-hmm. uh, and is standing in the way, and and that's that's not an appropriate use of the conciliation conciliation and certainly the conciliators time yeah. If you were volunteering that time
1: oh yeah yeah i listen i wrote the report i wrote the conciliators report yeah sent it to the clerk about exactly what went on and the bad behavior
2: right and just and 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 just so your listeners know too it's not you're not you're not reporting on what they about the positions that the the parties had mm-hmm. but it was just the, the, the behavior. behavior yes the totally, behavior totally, totally.
1: yeah And and I think that's another thing. People are concerned about how they're going to look if they refuse to go to conciliation, right? Okay, you don't want to go to conciliation. You give in to the pressure and you finally go. And then you pull a stunt or you're on bad behavior or you don't mind your manners and that could really come back to bite you. So people need to really put their best foot forward and represent well the conciliator because those conciliators, some of them write reports. I do write reports if I I think it's necessary. I don't write a report for everyone in the cases that I've had, but I have the ability to do that. And if someone shows up, they want to play games and they're not going to put in any sort of a good faith effort that could come back
2: to buy you absolutely absolutely the the other good lawyers will also know that when they're going to conciliation that they're they're coming there with I'll call it a proposed judgment but basically it's this is our this is our punch list of what we want right and and being able to back it up i've had some conciliations where either I'm one of the one of the part one of the I'm one of the attorneys for one of the litigants, and the other side hasn't come prepared. So I've come with my list of what what my client wants, mm-hmm. but they haven't bothered right. to come up with their list. They just want to say no to <laughs> what we say, and that's that's not an impressive no,
1: point. no, yeah, yeah, and yeah. no. Exactly,
2: that's not an impressive <laughs> use of time or a good good use of time at all. And you're really gonna. We're really going to make the, the conciliator, man. And I've served in the conciliator's role as well, where one or both of the sides haven't prepared what they want. Why are you spending the time doing this if you're not there to say, this is what I want? This is our custody right. plan. This is our asset division. This is what we want for support. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah, no, no. <laughs>
1: it's It's not rocket science. Yeah. It really isn't. People have to go in with the right mindset. Yeah. People who do it under threat of making the judge mad or my lawyer won't be happy with me. And if they go in with the chip on their shoulder and they don't have that right mindset to not attack the other side, you're not there to attack. Right. You are there to resolve. Right. Right. And if you go in there also with the mindset, I have to defend, am I going to be attacked? What happens if they come at me? And I think that what people need to realize is that there's a series of protections in place. When people have lawyers, obviously, you've got a a professional who should know how to conduct themselves and how to facilitate a beneficial dynamic Mm -hmm. that's going to help resolve the case, right? right? Uh, If someone is going to act up or do anything or Pull any funny business, okay? You've got the conciliator. You've got two other lawyers there who will help, hopefully, right, curtail that before it becomes out of hand. I think in situations where you have litigants who um, can go to conciliation and they don't have lawyers, I've had conciliations where I've had it just with pro se litigants and they come in and they don't really know which end is up. They've got paperwork, and I've had situations where it was a quick settle, and I've had other cases where. I'm like, this is not right for conciliation. There's too much in play here. Yeah. To have that buffer, the conciliator as a buffer to help bring the temperature down. You know what I mean? Yes. If temperatures is running hot, like you say, okay, guys, let's take a beverage
2: break. or And refocusing them. Because if let's say that is two process, for example, yeah. and let's say that the issue really is about custody, if the dynamic that they're getting across is something about you did this to me within our relationship. It's refocusing that discussion back to, we're not talking about the two of you. We're talking about Benjamin or, or, or Carrie, your, your kids, not, right. not someone else. Right. Not you, not you. Yeah. So you're, so refocusing them back, having that professional in that role really does help to facilitate pot- the potential of a settlement. And when you're dealing with pro se, I kind of I kind of look at it as you're like a stand-in family service officer for the court. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. We're glorified social workers, yeah, really. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 In that particular case where I had the the two pro se's, so they, the parenting plan was an issue, but it also hinged on sale of the marital home. Mm-hmm. Now, they weren't, they could have afforded lawyers probably within a certain scope.
2: Would have been a scope, stretch. It would management. have been a stretch. Yeah, yeah. But
1: there was work to do on that. Yeah. Because the parenting plan was really predicated on how the sale of the house was going to go and the finances. Yeah. But it's it's tough. It can be very tough when you've got two pro-says that just come in. I had to send that one back and yeah. just say, I, I can't help with this.
2: We're not miracle workers. No, we, make we all are inside. not.
1: No crystal balls, no magic wands. No, that's Unfortunately. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. That concludes today's episode. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. Um, please make sure to download our free infographic. The link to that is in the show notes. And I will look forward to seeing you guys next time. Stay well and stay safe.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Remember, the Right Family Law Divorce Podcast is not legal, financial, or tax advice, nor should it be construed as such. We recommend that you consult a qualified legal or tax professional before making any decisions about any of the topics discussed in our broadcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe. To catch all the latest from the Wright Family Law Group, sign up for our email list and newsletter on our website at WrightFamilyLawGroup.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.